Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you, as always, a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you tune into today's podcast from. And today is very much a bit of a learning CPD session for me because we're talking all things event host and specifically an actual title for today's podcast. Yes, that's right. We've been prepared today. We're not just going to dive in here with no thought or pre-production gone into this. So today we're looking at why the right event host is more important than ever for audience engagement and event success. And joining us is somebody that um, if you uh, are a podcast uh, follower of Event Institute News podcast and a visitor to Event Tech Live, you may well have seen this gentleman in November last year at the Truman Brewery as part of the Event Tech Live broadcast team. Our guest today is Mr. Simon Howard and joins the podcast now from his very well-equipped home studio. Simon, welcome to the podcast. Hi, James. Thank you uh, so much for having me and the lovely introduction. I, I normally do the introductions myself, but today it's a, it's a pleasure to get someone else to do it. So yeah, thank you. A- absolutely. No, and as I said, feeling maybe I'm feeling the pressure a little bit, but very much it is, this is, I've got my notepad here because I feel that I could definitely take notes today. Um, Simon, uh, to continue that introduction, is an experienced um, host, event host, um, over 200 virtual events now under his belt and hundreds more live events. And it's not just the hosting side, Simon, it's obviously the, the, the planning, the coordination, working with clients on a case-by-case basis. Uh, and more specifically, the, the subject of today's podcast, why the right event host is more important than ever for audience engagement and event success. This very much dovetails in with changes to the landscape, changes to the industry, how we've seen events being delivered and the change to how they're delivered technically um, to audiences over the last two years. Um, As somebody who works directly in that environment, how did it impact you in the short term of the pandemic and how quickly did things change for you as things started to open up but in a slightly different way? Uh, It's... uh... It was a shock to the system, as you can imagine, for uh, you know a lot of people in our industry. Just as a bit of background to me, I've uh, been live on stage hosting events for over 16 years now. Um, I started off at Gala Bingo back in the day, back in my youth. Uh, that's where I got my first experience of engaging with a large audience. You know, we had anywhere from 200 to over a thousand people mm. um, in and around. You know, during the days, and then about sort of four years after that, I went for working for an event management company. And it was with them that I've spent the last sort of 10 to 12 years running corporate events, delivering team building experiences, hosting conferences, gala dinners, award ceremonies, you name it. I've probably done it down to the family dog show, you know, whatever it is, if you need things, (laughs) people, ideas introducing, you know, I've been the sort of go-to with that. Obviously, like you say, when lockdown hits, Everything in my diary just went goodbye. You know, we went from doing that initial, oh, you know, we're going to have to postpone things for like a couple of weeks. Then it was four weeks and it was six weeks. Then it was, oh, dear. You know, I think that realization set in that, you know, this was going to be a long term effect. Uh, My first experience with the virtual events was I was booked to host an event in Manchester uh, we were meant to have 100 people coming from all over the country. They'd never met each other. It was like the first time people from the veterinary world um, who were big on social media, they probably knew each other from social media, but they'd never been yeah. in a room together. So I was going to host it. We had sort of ice-breaking challenges, you know, really fun experiences for people so they could get to know each other on a personal level. 
that all went out the window because that was literally the week before lockdown number one, the first lockdown that we all reminisce about. <laughs> um, and basically, we had to take it all online within four days. We thought we could postpone it, we could cancel it, but we decided to take it all online. So basically, um, I had the challenge then of going, what can we do? You know, what is this possible? Nobody knew what Zoom was then. You know, somebody said to me, oh, you can use Zoom. And we were like, what's a Zoom? You know, mm -hmm. how is this going to work? How are we going to get, you know, that engagement? And that's what really I focused on. I really focused on what can I do with people? Not what can't we do? You know, everybody else in the events were going, we can't do this. We can't do that. Life's miserable. I was like, what can I do with these people? And we delivered it. You know, it was a lot lower tech than it is now. You know, as you see um, behind me, I've got my green screen studio. We've got proper microphone lighting, all that. But then it was, you know, a little bit more basic. But actually, that interaction we got from people was amazing. And as soon as people turned their webcams on, I knew I could read that audience. For me, it was just like being in person. There's a yeah. few more technical yeah. issues because, as I say, this was literally week well it was before actually lockdown even happened officially <laughs> can you mute can you mute exactly it, it was that you know, nobody knew what mute was nobody knew <laughs> if the camera was on or off half the time and we just went for it and we had such a good response from that people had such a good you know enjoyment factor from it they saw the the positives what could be done uh you know slightly um rough around the edges let's say to you know mm. compared to how slick we are today but it was our first taste of we can actually do virtual events. We can still get that engagement. Um, and for me, as I say, once I could see some faces, I was comfortable as a host then to sort of continue with it. And I, and then I think as we went on, you know, so the next sort of few weeks, uh, we realized the events industry or the live events industry wasn't going to come back for, you know, a significant amount sure, of time. Yeah. yeah so yeah. what I actually decided to do was put on a uh, a fun evening for all my event colleagues and all the suppliers, all the agencies, everyone who I normally work with. I said, look, just come on. We're going to get you on Zoom. I'm going to put on a ridiculous night of entertainment. <laughs> um, and we're just going to bring people back together and just boost some morale, just have a bit of a laugh, you know, just get some positivity back. Um, and off the back of that, we got so many people going, can I bring my friends? Can I bring my family? I didn't care. I was like, yeah, bring them all. Let's just have a good night. And again, that went down so well. We got so much interaction, so much positivity, that then people started going, can you do this for my company? Can you do, you know, come and entertain us? And that's where we, we progressed. And go, I probably wouldn't do that night because it was a little bit, as I say, mm, uh, friends, yeah. family and colleagues kind of thing. But yeah, we've, we've then gone on to produce all these other products that have kept people entertained for the last two years, really. And as I say, two, 200 uh, plus events under our belt now and, uh, and going strong. And, and and when we come back to this this subject of why the right event host is more important than ever, when we look at those shift or that that shift over to those early um, virtual programs where we did just use Zoom in its basic form, yeah. and as you said, things have become more sophisticated. You now we've gone to you know more sophisticated platforms like VMix, and we've got home studios and microphones and things like that. But when when you when you look at it purely from a hosting point of view yes. and you look at the great television hosts, the great television hosts have always had this uncanny ability to really sort of put themselves down the lens and almost feel like they're speaking directly to you as an individual. When you watch the great the great newsreaders or the great live um, sports broadcasters, people like that, you know, and I think that in the early 
days, you know, in 2020, those early that early part of lockdown, it became obvious that great live hosts maybe were not necessarily great virtual hosts there yeah. is a different skill set to be had there it is very much more akin to doing live television you're looking straight down the barrel of the camera rather than turning and trying to do what we're all taught we're live audiences which is try and make as much eye contact with as many of the audience as possible try and make them feel like they're all you know being spoken to rather just you are now fixed fixing your focus on one point and it is and I, yeah i fully agree for me it was uh like you say, a complete learning experience that I'm, I enjoy the live events because you can read that audience. You know, I, I will go on stage in a, in a theater, in a conference room and I'll, the, you know, I sort of say good morning or hello to people and I wait for a response. Mm. And I know from that response within that first 10, 20, 30 seconds, how the rest of my day is going to be. I know how, you know, whether I'm going to have to put work in, whether they're yeah. going to be you know, yeah. a nice, easy crowd and they're, they're just up for, you know, whatever we might throw at them. But sure. on, a, on a virtual stage, like you say, it's a completely different thing. Like that eye contact, like you say, get drawing them in down the lens, looking in the right place. But just just on a bit of the, the flip side to what you're saying about the TV presenter side of things, um, you know, I've had so much success doing the interactive and engagement elements because I do actually talk to people and it's rather than talking at them, which is what generally, mm. you know, like you say, the, the TV personalities have been trained to do. Look down the lens, focus on that. But they're not great at the two way element. And I think that's something that's yeah. that is the real skill that if you can get that, actually invite people to come on and have a conversation and be part of the event rather than just you know enticing them in to watch it, actually participate. I think that's been you know a real sort of skill that has made events massively successful. You know if you can actually pull that off as a host. Mm. And and you're right to point that out. You, you know, running, doing television presenting or on camera presenting as opposed to actually hosting in front of an audience of people at, an, at a specific event and that event could be for anything it could be a business conference it could be an entertainment event the point is there is an audience there and the organizer and the end client wants their audience to feel like they're engaged whether that be with business content that's being delivered to them at a conference or with entertainment content that's being delivered to them as an audience they want that engagement don't they Absolutely, because I, you know, there's there's this big buzzword about engagement. Ours is the most engaging platform. We provide the most engaging service. And I actually looked up and found a really good definition of what actual engagement is. Uh, so I'm going to read this one out to you because I thought it was just a, a Please, very good yeah, summary this, of what this you know, is. It, I told you there'd be an element of, of of thought gone in today's podcast. I knew it. I knew there'd be stuff actually prepared. It's almost like we're professionals at this. this almost is, this is amazing. We're, yeah, we're yeah. scraping the barrel of professionalism. But uh, I got this quote. I thought it was a good one. So it said, "Event engagement, also known as audience engagement, refers to an event's ability to hold the attention of its audience." as well as promote full participation from event attendees. Engaging events are captivating and compelling. They capture the attention of their audience from the start and hold on tight. Now, there's mm. there's a sort of sentence in the middle of there that, that I focused on over the past two years that says, audience engagement refers to an event's ability to hold the attention of its audience, as well as promote full participation from event attendees. And it's that full participation that I focused on, you know, when we've been doing um, sort of virtual interactive experiences, we've been running game shows, race nights, murder mysteries, and I really, really focused on 
What can I get the audience to do? And I'm not just on about, let's get them to do a poll. Oh, you've got four answers. Click on that. <laughs> let's get them to, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Bristol. Great. Put that in the chat box. It's okay as a start, but I, you know, from the definition, full participation, are you really engaged? You know, you've got 2,000 people on a, a conference, and I've been to these conferences, and they ask a question, and they get six people respond in the chat. And the host seems to go, oh, we've got so much engagement. And I'm like, you've got six people out of 2,000 people <laughs> yeah. responding. And for me, that doesn't cover full participation. Where I've had people, I had a woman um, just before Christmas. She was in Spain. Halfway through the game show, she just ran outside with all the clothes on and jumped in a swimming pool. Why? Because I'd said I'd give her five bonus points. And, she, you know, for me, that is just... <laughs> I and love it. professional corporate business I people. Love it. You know, she had, like, a suit on, but she was just... And, th and that's, for me, is, well, full commitment. I've got to go beyond full commitment. But it, it's just an example of, you know, if you get that participation right, you can really get your audience being part of the show. You know, I... I, I sort of built a bit of a system with with different games and activities, um, and I really want to make it memorable for people. And actually, getting people to do physical things has yeah. massively made you know that event more interesting, more engaging. They never know quite what to expect with our events and experiences, and it's that that's really made them uh, sort of successful and memorable. I'd say. I, I, something just sprung into my mind, which is that last year I did two two podcasts with guests who are in the USA and uh, regular viewers of Event Industry News may remember these. I, I forget the name of one of the guests, but he was in San Diego. The other one I'm sure was Pedro Goes and he was in Palm Springs. Now, both of those gentlemen, when they joined me for the podcast, were sat in these glorious Californian villas with swimming pools behind them. So I know exactly what I'm going to do next time they come on. They're going to get 10 minutes extra airtime <laughs> if they if they turn around immediately and go launch themselves into the pool. Uh, that's your challenge. That's that yeah, you know, that, that is where you find out, James, if you're the right host to get these people can engaged. We, can we, can we get can we I, get I'm them not in? gonna lie, there was a build-up to it. You know, the systems yeah. we put yeah. in place. I didn't just come on the call and go, right, James. If you want a bit of extra, I go go and jump in your swim. Go and get in your bath right now. You know what I mean? It was there's a build up to it, and I, and I think and this is where we come on to getting the right host, mm. delivering things in the right way. Because I've sort of built up a bit of a strategy, um, with you know the experiences we do or hosting events where we get people onto the event, we sort of give them what they're expecting, whether that be you know whether it be a conference or whether it be some kind of entertainment. And then a few minutes into it, just when most other people are losing their audience, we throw something at the audience that they didn't expect. Something so weird, wacky, off the wall. And all of a sudden, that, that mentality really changes from an audience perspective. And they, mm. they go, I can relax with this. This isn't just another boring work call. You know, I can actually have a bit of fun with this scenario. And once we've done that, I can then build up that interaction. I, I've got them then. I've got that yeah. mental switch, which you have to do in a very specific way. And then once you've got that audience, I can then play with the audience like yeah. I would in a live scenario then. I, I wonder if part of that is is the FOMO sort of instinct where if suddenly from nowhere, not suddenly from nowhere, but you know, carefully planned and executed, something that the audience wasn't expecting, Let's say you're, you know, you're doing an online pharmaceutical or medical conference. Yeah. You know, it, and, and suddenly you throw something in that's completely left field that maybe generates a bit of laughter and, and some good humor amongst the audience. Suddenly, from an attention point of view, 
they're subconsciously thinking, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. So you've maybe automatically triggered an instinct in them to, to focus their attention and stay looking you know, at that screen and what's going on because they think, well, they've done that. Maybe something else could happen in the next 15 minutes. And that's it. And, you know, coming on to uh, you know, choosing the right host is having that um, just un unknowing, like you say, just just I'm not sure what's going to happen now. You know, it, it was sort of what I was expecting. Now it's not. So I'm on edge a little bit. But then it's just maintaining that level of engagement all the way through. And mm. I know when, you know, a lot of people do choose hosts for events, they go to, you know, they might go to an event um, hosting agency. They have a lot of celebrities there. And a lot of people will choose a host based on they've either got massive influence in a particular field or yep. they've got an inspirational story. You know, if you've got a theme of you know, resilience or something for a conference, they might choose someone who's gone up a mountain and stuff. And I go, that's great for a speaker. But for a host, you know, these people can generally they can tell a good story. You know, they've done something amazing that, you know, they can talk all about, you know, they wrestled three polar bears climbing up a mountain, <laughs> which is fantastic. And, you know, and the, the message they deliver is brilliant. But then you're looking on the call and you go, this is a call with 200 cleaning staff on. You know, how are they going to relate what they've just been told about polar bears and climbing mountains, which is a brilliant yeah. story, to their day job? You know what I mean? They've got to go and clean 15 offices, you know, that week. And as a host, it's how you tie that together. And that's what I've always done in the past. You know, if I'm sort of emceeing conferences, um, and it's having that, it's choosing a host who can not only excite your audience, get them energized, get them engaged, but then also really relate that content back to the audience as well. Because I feel like a lot of speakers, as I say, they, they do very well in their own merit, you know, in their own sort of niche, and they can deliver their story, their message. But again, relating it to that audience is somewhere that, you know, quite often they fall short on. So having the right host for that is is, uh, is really powerful to getting the value out of your guest speakers as well. Mm. Going back to that quote that you gave us, the definition of engagement, um, I, I scribbled down hold attention. Um, and of course, there's been so much research and study done by people into what the modern attention span is of the modern consumer, of the modern business delegate at a conference. And, and it's no secret at all that across society, our attention spans have reduced, you know, and that's just because of the nature of how we deal with day to day life. Now we're on and off phones, you know, we are constantly seeing TVs with instant news flashes and stuff on there. And it's all contributed. Now, when it comes to holding the attention of an audience, as a host, do you broadly say, well, listen, this is what people's average attention spans are? Or do you look at it on a case by case basis based on the type of event and the type of audience demographic that you've got? You know, how, how does your approach to holding the attention of an audience get shaped by who it is and where you're dealing with them? I think it obviously it's case by case because some people will have a sort of regimented plan. You know, uh, a lot of companies have especially on the virtual stage, they've almost created a, a structure to their virtual meetings. So if I go in, you know, they say, oh, we have three meetings a week and they're all 30 minutes long. We have two speakers, 15 minute, 15 minute, or they might be, you know, we have a two hour day and we just do a one hour. Then we have a 15 minute break, then a 45 minute. And, you know, I if people are used to that, their attention, you know, that's sort of what they're expecting from their attention spans. But a lot of them, are, a lot of people I still find are going from the original live events. And if they are trying to do the virtual sort of stage, they're going, oh, normally we would have had a two hour presentation on stage, 
We we appreciate people have got a lower attention span, so we're cutting it down to an hour and forty five minutes. And for me, I go, you know, it's like, and it's a bit of a battle then to, to sort of try and really yeah. show because I know just like what you've said, social media, especially things like TikTok and memes, and it's thirty second clips. You know, if you get to the end of a thirty second clip, it's like it must be quite an interesting clip to you, you know. But most people you know, scroll. Three seconds in, scroll, and all of a sudden you're expecting people to spend 10, 20, 30 minutes on that. And I think from my perspective, it you know, if you are going with a host, have a chat to them because you know, I'll tell you from my experience, short and snappy really is key. Or we do do, you know, build in things where people can interact, you know, ask the mm. audience a question. Um, my big thing is, as I say, if you can get people with webcams on, if you can get a good platform where you can actually talk to people, talk to the audience, you know, yeah. actually get them involved with it. If I just go halfway through this and I go, James, what do you think of this? All of a sudden you've gone from passively listening to going, oh, you know, and you're, you're all of a sudden very engaged, very much on the, uh, you know, on the customer rather than going, James, what do you think? Click yes or no. And you go, yeah, I might do, I might not, yeah. you know. That that's really, really, I think, key to really getting people engaged, keeping people actually on their toes, and and always surprising them whenever you can. Yeah, and you know, I've always said that you know, even even a ninety-minute football match is split into two halves of forty-five minutes, so yeah. that we can all go and have a brew or a pie and a pint at half time. You know, you. <laughs> Just re re referencing the fact that I live in the north of England and you're based in the north of England, uh, from north of England. Well, you know, it, it acts in acts in clubs. It's always two forty-five minutes. You know, yeah. you never put an act on for an hour, an hour and a half solid because people want that break. They want to go outside, nip outside for some fresh air, go to the bar, do something else. You know, I, I've long said that even before the pandemic, conferences and business events that still had these two, two and a half hour keynote sessions where somebody would deliver a PowerPoint for an hour and 20 minutes and then field 45 minutes of questions. It's just too long. Yeah. People will switch off. They will miss stuff out of that. Um, and I think even more so now, even more so now, you know, you have to, and, and, and that brings me on to a question I was going to ask you, which is it from an advice point of view, um, how, how many sort of battles have you fought with clients where you've really been absolutely convinced that they're doing it wrong and you try and guide them in the best way possible i, I wouldn't like to say battles I think battles is a bit strong from uh i, I think mm. i think uh discussions and uh <laughs> there's there's you know there's quite a few and i think um a lot of people are coming into it still really not knowing you know, just if we're just sticking with the virtual stage for now uh you know it there's still a lot of people who've done nothing really online other than you know a couple of teams calls like internally and it, it's I, I really want people to take advantage of you know the systems that i've either used or i've seen that have worked really well yeah. you know there's some really really good formats out there that are really engaging and, and people want the engagement and it's it's just just if you've got the right host if you've got someone experienced there are very simple methods you can do uh, you know, have a very short presentation, ask a question about it, you know, send people to breakout rooms, get them discussing it, bring it back. And it actually it's it it doesn't feel like then a long meeting. You know, if you've just got an hour long session, mm. we just talk at them and then you go, any questions? A lot of people, like you were saying, it's too long an hour and they get to the end of it and they're like, even if I did have a question, I'm so, uh, you know, 
sort of worn out with trying to focus on it and listen to it now that I can't be bothered doing it. But I look at it when you're planning the event, and th this is the good thing. If you get a good hosting early, they should be able to help you plan that. So I focus oh, everything. You, you've read my mind. It was the yeah. next thing I was going to ask you, the planning stage. And it is, it, I say getting early because I, I plan absolutely everything I've done online around the delegates, around the audience, and about their experience, whether it's live, whether it's mm -hmm. virtual, whether it's hybrid. I always think, what are they going to be doing? So if it's a live event, you know, they arrive at the hotel, do they know where they've got to go, what they've got to do, you know, what time it is, where they leave their things? Do they, you know, are they going to be welcome with, you know, hot food, drinks, all that kind of thing? Just sort of walk the journey of the delegates. It's the same when they come on a virtual event. Do they know what they what's going to happen? Are they going to have the camera on? Are they going to have to speak at it? And I think, you know, the more prepping you can do with that, the better. But I also think if you want them to engage, we've really got to start prepping audiences before they come to the event. Because I think as much as I sort of go, there's some really good speakers, really good presenters and people who can do interaction. But I think we also need to educate the audience a bit as well and go, we want you to be part of this event. And, we, and this is what a lot of event planners aren't yeah. doing. They're inviting people to it and then go, you know, you, you might just say your name. You might just say, James, you haven't got your camera on. You haven't got your mic on. And you just go, oh, James, I just want to ask you this. And, and at that point, you're sat there. You've got your dinner on your lap. You know, you've uh, <laughs> you've not got your makeup done, James. You know, you, you're not you're not feeling camera ready. Um, yeah. And you're going to struggle then to get it. But if you say, look, this is all about you. This is about you guys. We want to hear from you guys. Yeah. We want you to be part of the experience. You know, that is a really good way to get them involved from the outset. Mm. What do I, I've just, something just popped to my head, and that's the phrase "zoom suit." Uh, I, I wonder whether or not that's something you've ever sort of deliberately asked audiences, you know, to, to participate in, because that strikes me as something that'd be quite fun. You know, we're doing it all on Zoom, so we want to see your best Zoom suits. You know, something that maybe they could put on social media than wearing, you know, the pajama bottoms and the, and then their smart collar and tie up top. And that's it. You know, whatever you can do, because, uh, you know, I have a, I have a phrase that I, I use a lot um, with, with people uh, and, I, and it just says, sort your effing event out. And the F being fun, you'll be pleased to know. You right. know why not just make it a little bit of fun? Because as even if it's, you know, it's a serious conference, you know, you've got serious business things to discuss, messages, you know, progress things to discuss. No one's ever walked away from a conference and said, you know what, I enjoyed that a little bit too much. You know, why can't we make <laughs> yeah, virtual right. events, yeah, live yeah. events yeah. a bit, you know, a bit more fun? You know, get you're still going to deliver your message. You, you know, you're still going to get the, the, the message across. But if people go away and go, actually, I really enjoyed that. Next time you do a meeting, you're not going to have that, you know, resistance to come. And, and I know, uh, you know, I've been looking at the statistics of how many people come to like especially virtual events now you know it started off when things were first happening and everything was free and exciting and new you'd get 100 people sign up 80 or 90 you'd come sort of 70 ish and stay to the end yeah. it was good but now you know you get 100 people sign up you're lucky if you get double figures on a lot of these things and you know it doesn't matter if you've got the best speakers the best content if if you you know haven't given that memorable positive experience before that's when you're going to struggle to get people to your next meetings i think as well so uh... I'm, I'm chuckling because i've seen a i've seen a few where you know nobody nobody would ever dream in a real life conference right of halfway through the session just going sod this 
and 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 getting up and disappearing. So I've, I've taken my headphones off for sort of you know emphasis there. But yeah. nobody nobody would dream of getting up in the middle of the conference, you know, in the middle of the hotel, you know, conference suite, in the middle of the audience, and just going, oh, I've had enough of this. I'm off and walking out. And yet I find it hilarious. I've seen so many Teams conferences, you know, where I've been working sort of maybe in the background, and suddenly you see the numbers sort of start dropping. You know, ninety two, eighty three. 76 yeah 60 down to 30 people just pinging out and leaving halfway through um and and you know that there is that luxury that, that we have to wake up to that the audience is that if we don't engage them and if the hosts and the content is not engaging those people they're sat at home you know the kettle's there you know the dog's ready for a walk they can just click a button and disappear and it's far easier to do that than it is if they were there in real life and that's it. And I know, I know you mentioned the word battle before. I think that is, you know, the real battle we've got as, you know, event, event professionals, organizers, people delivering meetings, events, whatever it is online, especially, is, you know, we're not, we're not just battling with that. Can we keep them awake for two hours while we discuss the last year's finance, you know, <laughs> like reports? All of a sudden, you have got, you know, mobile phones, kids, pets. Amazon men delivering things, you know what I mean? And it, it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, and yeah. Especially, especially the on-demand thing, which which I find an interesting concept because um, as much as people go, I want this to be really engaging, I want all the, the audience involved, but then we're going to put it on demand. And I go, that's just an excuse for people not to be there. And you know what I mean? You might actually get 10 people actually live there. You ask yeah, a yeah. question and you're getting two or three responses. Whereas if you go, look, this is where we want you to be. and and I, I appreciate, you know, not everyone's going to be able to make it, but almost giving people that option of not attending is almost a, a sort of easy way for people not to engage in things. So mm. that, that that's a bit of a, you know, a sort of uh, a thinker for me that I kind of go, if you want people to engage, if you, and that's what a lot of people say to me, they want, I want it to really engage and we don't really get that engagement. Um, how can we do it? I'm like, get people there, you know, say, look, this is when it's happening. This is what you'll miss out. Touching back on the FOMO you mentioned before, if you mm. don't do it, you know, you will miss out on it. And then when you get there, get them involved, you know, and actually ask for that participation. And I know you're saying tips for hosting and how, how to get that participation. Mm. Just ask for it. Uh, I'll give you an example. My uh, One of my family is a, a teacher and during lockdown, they had to do like online lessons. Yeah. Um, and I said to them, like, they're not very tech friendly. You know, it's all a bit like, I'm not very comfortable at this. And they just had to get the students on, you know, have a lesson, like the kids do the work. Uh, and I, I said to them, I was like, oh, do they all put like the webcams on? And can you chat to them? And they're like, no, no, they come on. They listen to me, but they might, I might get one or two writing in the chat box. I was like, why don't they put the webcams on and you can actually see what they're doing or they can ask you any questions. And, and uh, my family just went, well, they won't do it. And I said, why not? They said, I don't know. I've never asked. And this is what I get with a lot of event people. They're all laid on their bed. They're all laid on their bed. Well, well potentially they are. But, yeah. it, it's, uh, but I, get, I get the same thing with when I go and do some virtual entertainment. Um, mm. As I say, you know, when we're running an interactive experience for people, first thing I say is put your cameras on. And a lot of clients go, oh, our staff won't do that. And I go, leave it with me. I'll let yeah. you know after the event if they don't do that. And I get 120 people on. And like over a hundred of them have got the cameras on, and it's and it's just because I've asked for it, and I just say at the start, look, I said this is meant to be a social event. I want to be interacting with you. If I can't see you, 
I don't know whether you're, you're engaging with it. Or this is what, you know, and, it, and once I ask for that, they do. And then once other people do, it becomes the norm. And all of a sudden, in the first yeah. minute of it, and then afterwards, they go, that was amazing. How did you get that? And I just ask. I just politely ask and go. Yeah, seek and you shall find. You know, sometimes that, that is, it is as simple as that. Ask in the right manner, you know, polite but firm. This is, you know, I'd like you to do this, and this is why, and this is what I think it will do to benefit you. Yeah. One, two, three, bang, and, and and you're on with it. Just, just ask, and and it's amazing because again, it's this luxury of being sat in front of a, a device with a button that you can push to, you know, to to, to have your cake and eat it. I suppose yeah. in a brutal sense, you know, who would again walk into a live business event, an in person one, with you know a balaclava on? Oh, I don't want anybody to see my face. Yeah, and yet people join them online for work, and they'll turn their cameras off. No, I don't want anybody to see me. You know, well, you know, is that because you've not put the effort in, you're not comfortable with anybody seeing your camera because you've not done your hair or whatever, you know? And again, that goes back to what you were saying about preparing the audience in advance. What are exactly. the expectations? Yeah, exactly. You know, if they know that you're going to ask them to be on camera, put the effort in that you would put in if you were actually getting up, traveling to that event in person. And, that, and that's it. You know, as I say, it's... Um... It's a big thing to say. I've got a, a stat here I found off a, a, a marketing, a big uh, big marketing company and said 49% of marketers, marketers say that audience engagement is the biggest contributing factor to having a, se- a successful event. That's half of all marketing people think, you know, that engagement is plus or fail. You know, going back to you, you've, yeah. when, it, when it comes to that planning side of thing, a lot of event planners go, oh yeah, we're going to spend 20 grand on this speaker. We're going to have, you know, an amazing venue, live or virtual, doesn't matter. You know, we'll have the best platform. And then they just forget that one piece that ties it all together. You know, if, if you've not got that engaging host, if you've not got someone who just goes bang, you know, here's some energy, give me your uh, attention, you know, stay with me. It's going to be brilliant. Who gets you excited about the next, you know, presentation, hmm. two presentations, maybe the full day of it. Then by the time it gets to that speaker, you know, your audience, like you say, your numbers have already dropped off. Um, they're, they're sort of doing other things, you know, they go, oh, I'll come back to it later. And then it never happens. And then when it comes to that bit that you've invested all your time or you're planning on your money into, you've got an audience that isn't really that receptive to it. They're not engaged. They're half yeah, listening. Yeah. If they're even still there, like you say, in the virtual event, you know, headphones are off, they've gone, you know, and yeah. it's, and that's where I think, you know, having the right host who can do that, who can really get excited, get passionate you know, about whatever your event is, then that is what is going to make that engagement difference and really make your event a success or not as it may be. As I say, if you don't get the right person on yeah. it. Yeah, you've reminded me of several, as we've been speaking today, several things sort of popped into my head and my own experiences and reference points. And, and one of them that's just, just cropped in there, and this is, a, I suppose, a, a surreptitious plug, but also a shout out, which I don't often give on here, um, to, to Rocky Oki, to John Shaw and, and the Rocky Oki guys around the UK. I've I've gigged with them for maybe four or five years now um, as, as, as an MC. And for anybody who hasn't come across Rocky Oki, it's live karaoke. You know, we have a three-piece rock band on stage. We have a big iPad with the lyrics on that we can pull up and a, a list of about 250, 300 songs that go around the audience. And the audience can choose what they want to get up and sing off of that list. They get up, they sing, and instead of doing it to a cheesy backy track, they do it with a drums, bass, and guitar rock band on stage. And it's great yeah. fun. And of course... 
if that's not pitched right, if we don't have people get up and sing, there is no show. If the audience don't want to engage and participate in that event, it's literally the biggest damp squib you've ever seen because (laughs) you will have a band up there not playing anything and not singing anything. And it's it's just struck me that everything you've spoken about there is directly relevant to to, to that scenario. It might seem nothing like a a business conference or, you know, a large scale trade show or anything like that. But, you know, that's a classic example. If you don't engage them, literally that event won't have the effect that it wants to have nobody will have a good time and and, and that the same can be said for any event you know if you don't get that audience giving you that two-way interaction then you're not going to get the content ultimately that you want to deliver and that's it i i, I hosted a um a, a big student festival in manchester actually last week uh, for one of the universities and we we had so much fun stuff there. We had, like to say, it was just literally at the university during the day. So there's like thousands of students milling around the building. And uh, we had like photo booths, fun festivals, loads of good stuff happening, you know, like live DJ, all that. And I was doing the announcements, basically drumming up the business. Come <laughs> and get involved. You know, we've yeah. got all this fun stuff. We're giving it, you know, it's students, here's free donuts. Everyone loves free, you know what I mean? And, and one of the staff came up after and said to the uh, one of the organisers, um, and she just said from the university, she just said, every time he speaks, people instantly become more engaged and interested in the event. I'm so glad we chose to go with the host. Yeah. And she said it, it just made the difference of people walking past and just going, oh, that looks interesting, you know, a few flashy lights and, you know, it's all grassed area like a festival and stuff, but actually coming, being part of it. And they mm. could have spent all the money on that and had people walk past it all day. But because they had a host there, getting people in, getting that engagement, talking to people, communicating at the right level with the right audience, you know, for the audience, that is what made the event as successful as it was. And this and this is where you need to really think about, you know, even if this person has, you know, if you get a celebrity speaker and who's got 20 years of business experience, or as I say, they've been up a mountain or they've been an Olympian, fantastic you know they know what they know their niche they know about that but are they going to be engaging for the rest of the conference you know are they a good mc as well as being you know your your motivational short speaker if you like yeah absolutely we're we're flying through time today i'm looking at the clock ticking away here and you know we're we're we're, we're getting up towards a 40 minutes which is is usually what i call bonus time um (laughs) on here uh i'm curious to see how What's it like now? We're recording this second week in February uh, for context because we're not sure when this is going to go out. It may be sort of in the next two or three weeks time, but we're relatively early still in 2022. But I know, you know, as a a freelancer, my diary is is pretty full for for all of this year. There's space in there, but I'm already turning stuff away because I'm like, sorry, I'm I'm already booked that day. I'm already booked, you know, that that weekend. Yeah. What's the balance like between in-person and virtual? You've done over 200 virtual events now. Do you see them as being very, very much confined to that period of time that we will reflect on as the pandemic? Or are you seeing stuff that happened in the pandemic virtually already repeating itself for this year and then in the future? So because we had such a, a sort of wide range of clients virtually, um, you know, I was doing sort of Christmas parties for like, gold mining companies in Africa and the Silicon Valley Bank in America. <laughs> it was it all got a bit surreal at some point talking about <laughs> helicopters and gold mines. But uh, 
But because we had such a, a global audience that we didn't expect from the virtual side of things, that's where the business is is continuing from yeah. the virtual side. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's either global teams who would never actually get together and go, actually, this has been really good because we actually get together. Right. Do something yeah. Fun. yeah, of course. So yeah. that's still going um, from the you know, UK only perspective. There's so many people who are obviously desperate to get back out, get back together, do things in person. So most of my sort of work now is going looking at the live sort of side of things. I'm actually yeah. on the on the cusp of um, sort of setting up a, a live events um, like agency, mm-hmm. um, sort of doing the team building side of things because there's massive demand for that. Even entertainment, which is what I've historically always done for other agencies, but sure. I've decided to basically invest in a load of kits and sort of run my own things <laughs> um, now. But as I say, there's so from a a geographical place, I'd say UK, there's a big demand for getting back together in person, you know, when it's safe to do so. I know there's still a little bit of hesitation around COVID. And yeah, and, and and I, I suppose that's that that's understandable. You know, yeah. everybody has a different take on it, a different perspective on it, you know, and, yeah. um, and ultimately it all, all always comes down to audience confidence with anything, doesn't it? Yes, because that, that's been the same. I know I've spoken to a lot of people who were doing you know, a lot of live at the event uh, at the end of last year and, and they were sort of saying, you know, even if live events were happening, it's a bit like the virtual numbers. You'd invite 200 people, 200 mm-hmm. people say they come on the night, you get 60 or 70 and, you know, you'd have a big conference room and it would feel safe because there was lots of space <laughs> in there. That, yeah. But it wasn't good from a, you know, a, a, you know, actually being there. It was a bit of a weird yeah. Sort of vibe to it as well. So, but I think this year, I'm hoping this year is going to be a bit more thrown back in. But I kind of feel we're going to have this is a little bit of a prediction, a little bit like stab in the dark. But I kind of feel that the next 12 months is going to be, you know, if we can get back to live, everyone's going to pile back into that sort of live um, environment and get back together, have those experiences together. And then, as sad as it is, I feel like a lot of companies will start looking at the checkbooks a bit and going, just, do you know how much money we saved doing <laughs> virtual stuff, you know, the year before yeah. and the previous two years and go, and then I feel then moving forward, and I, I don't know, a lot of people have restructured and gone, originally we used to have four get-togethers a year all in person, now we might have two and do two virtual. So, you know, there's going to be a real mixture of uh, things going forward, but well, we that, shall that, see. That's something that we need to accept, and, and, and I'm going to keep keep this train rolling because th- 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 there's more, more to talk about. And um, I recorded two days ago but again for context maybe like in the next few weeks people have already heard the episode that i recorded with john mcmahon from mcm who um has written a book called the power of leading with empathy overcoming the challenges of leading in a non-nine to five world and a lot of that episode that, that people may have already listened to and if you haven't just nip back and listen to that one it is about the challenges that business leaders uh, are facing uh, and and some of the uh hurdles and uh, I suppose mental obstacles that they had to overcome when suddenly everyone was forced to work from home. And I suppose the point that I'm getting to here is that a lot of businesses have realized that they don't need offices. A lot of re- yeah. that, that, that fear that they had that their companies wouldn't be as productive if they allowed them all to work remotely and they didn't have that physical control over them in an office environment was quickly dispelled when they realized, actually, oh Christ. We're making the same amount of money here. The team are very, very happy. And all of a sudden, we can get rid of that really expensive office and save a bang load of money and increase our bottom line nicely. Now, you can't have that and not also 
uh, accept that in live events, there will be a certain number of audiences and, and checkbook writers who realize, actually, do you know what? We did the conference online last year. We had more people than ever actually turn up for it because they didn't have to travel 200 miles down the A1 to get there. Um, you know, we had loads of people saying that they were able to ask questions because it wasn't the same usual suspects grabbing the microphone every year and hogging it. Yeah. Um and, and I know quite a few organizations who've decided that they will stick to virtual because it was more more productive for them and it saved money. And I suppose it's, it's a long-winded way of saying that we can't have one without the other. A lot of people have accepted that working from home is great and it offers so many benefits to companies. But in the events industry, I suppose we have to also accept that there will be a certain number of events that won't ever come back live because they work better in the other format. And that's it. And I, I think, you know, even... Um... I think most people assume that everyone prefers a sort of live event and experience and get together, but you know, they, they do actually have a lot of restrictions with them. You know, the travel time, the can you actually get there, mm. logistics, availability, time. And, you know, like you say, a lot of people have put something online that they've always been restricted almost by venue size. And they go, Oh yeah, we've only ever had 600 people at it because that's the biggest hotel within the area that people go to, and that's literally the most we've had. We've put it online. We've had 3,000 people come to it. And actually, yeah. you go, that's amazing. You know, if it's a, you know, invite people along public event, like, you know, not internal corporate kind of thing, and you go, it is, it's an amazing uh, opportunity. And I know uh, the, the other side of thing with you saying a lot of people have just been working online, there's been so much growth with a lot of online companies that I'm now getting inquiries for sort of live in-person team building events for people who've been working together for two years. They've never actually met. You know, they're they're, yeah. on, they're on a Zoom a call three point. times a week with these people or even multiple times a day. And now all of a sudden, they, they just want to be in the same room as each other and they know each other well, but actually they've never physically met. And it's so bizarre as a, a concept to, you know, think that this is the first time you've actually met someone that... Yeah, you spend every day with for the past two years nearly. What, what a great point to raise is, 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 you know, team building was, was, it almost was a cliched word, you know, you know, I've worked in businesses, you know, years ago before I was a freelancer, I worked, for, oh, we're going to do a team building event. Oh, for God's sake, we're going to go and have to, <laughs> we're going to have to build a raft, fall off a tree, you know, and, and then, you know, do some Venn diagrams on a, on a, on a flip chart, you yeah. know, that, that's team building. But as you rightly point out, so many people now work remotely and don't see their colleagues that actually there's probably going to be more demand for it than ever. There is, there is. And I think that's why um, I say a lot of people know me as Mr. Virtual, as I seem to have become nicknamed <laughs> over the past two years. You know, I seem to have got out there a lot more on, on the virtual stage than, uh, you know, historically I just worked under the guise of other people. But in, in terms of that, you know, getting back together, I know there's a big demand for that, um, you know, one team sort of message because actually literally about, an hour before I jumped on this call, I got a, uh, a signed contract. We're running a, a huge uh, sort of samba band event for like 250 people, big company. They're all coming together for the first time, you know, in a couple of years. And we're going to turn them into a samba band and just get them all playing along to the same beat. And as a message and as an experience, you know, as much as we've been doing some cool stuff online, you get 250 people at Manchester Central in that big dome, banging yeah. some drums, all playing that. It's going to be hairs on the back of the neck standing up. And as an experience for them, I can't wait. I'm super yeah. excited about shout, it. And shout out to friend of the podcast, Sean Hines um, at Manchester Central. Um, yeah. I'm, I, you, you can bookmark that one. I have to get him involved and send us a send us a picture to the podcast, Sean, of you playing Samba when, uh, when Simon ran uh, that workshop. 
Sean, get your earplugs ready. We're going to be making some noise that day. I can tell you'll be bringing the noise. So Absolutely. Super excited for that. But like you say, like now, you know, there is that demand of just get people back together, have that fun. And then it will be interesting to see how the next, you know, 12 to 24 months plays out, whether it is run by checkbooks or whether it is, you know, you have that combination of live virtual and it'd be be an interesting time i'd say it, it is it has been an interesting time it is an interesting time and it will be an, an interesting time and and come back on no let, let, let's let's not leave it to chance you know let's look at what it's like in in you know at the end of this year i think it'd be fascinating to see where we sit you know and how things have gone sort of end of november start of december this year um i think it'd be great to speak to you again and 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 maybe you know recap what we've spoken about today and as a point of reference then see how the year has actually panned out and um, and whether or not any of these predictions have have actually come true. I'll see, see, if, see if my crystal ball works or not, or whether I should just stick it in the metaverse and see what happens in there. <laughs> We've been speaking today to our guest, Simon Howard, discussing why the right event host is more important than ever for audience engagement and event success. Simon Howard is uh, a pioneer of uh, over 200 virtual events and hundreds more live events. Um, and uh, let's give a shout out and a bit of a plug to your website if anybody wants to get in touch, um, Simon. I'll pop it up on screen for anybody watching the video version of the podcast but for those of you who are listening via one of your podcast platforms simon howard introducing.com exactly as it sounds simon howard introducing.com is the website to go to you can find more about simon and his business and what he can bring to your event um simon thanks for taking the time today uh having a chat with us as i said we've, we've gone a much longer than normal but um all sorts of stuff to discuss well, that you know, we're event hosts, James. You know, it's what we do. We're, we're paid to talk, aren't we? Quite so, yeah, uh, when we if get we couldn't fill an hour, if we couldn't <laughs> fill it. an hour, we'd be in deep, deep doo doo. Uh, <laughs> for those watching the video podcast today as well, I should point out that yes, you are absolutely correct. That does say Queens Park Rangers on my hoodie today. Thank you very much, everybody. Shout Don't hold out it against to, him. Don't shout everybody. Him. Shout out to everybody at, at QPR. Um, thanks very much, Simon. If you are watching today's video podcast, as I said on uh, eventindustrynews.com, don't forget that you can listen to audio versions of all of the Event Industry News podcasts. Just go to your chosen podcast platform and search for the Event Industry News podcast. Of course, if you are listening to the podcast today via one of those platforms, don't forget that you can also go in the opposite direction and go to eventindustrynews.com check out video versions of all 250-something podcasts, as well as the latest news, features, and supplements that are available via eventindustrynews.com. It brings us to the end of today's episode. Our thanks again to Simon Howard, legendary event host, and uh, we will see you all soon on the next edition of the Event Industry News podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye.